Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Uh, Man, we are so glad you're here. We are in week three of our Spirit-Led series. Uh, If you missed any of our series, you can always go to our podcast, check it out, look at the previous weeks. Last week, we talked about the baptism, which really is God's uh, just releasing the Holy Spirit in full fullness to the life of the believer. Week before that, we just talked about how the Holy Spirit, he is a person with a mind, a will, and emotion. And, you know, he is, he, he is a gift to the believer to, for the help of ministry to help us throughout our Christian walk. So how many of you last week walked away with some evidential power being released in your life? Anybody? We got ministered to this last week, just really walking away, feeling encouraged and empowered and really walking in the fullness of what the Holy Spirit has for us. Um, I, I believe that really, for the believer, we should continually uh, be growing in our faith, in our cooperation with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through our lives. It's not like a one and done thing, and that every single day He wants to pour into us, He wants to give us new things. Uh, anybody ever like drinking stale old water? Right? I like a fresh, crisp, preferably iced water. Um, and I believe the Holy Spirit's like that, where every single day he wants to pour out new, fresh, good things to us. Um, help us never grow satisfied with uh, growing in our relationship with the, with the Holy Spirit. All right? So how many of you this morning would consider yourself a good listener? If you didn't hear me, you might not be a good listener. I'm just playing. How many of you consider yourself to be a good listener? How many of you are sometimes listening challenge? It's, it's, it's sometimes hard. So I'm going to tell you a funny story this morning about past, uh, our President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Now, this story is probably fictional, but nonetheless, it's a good illustration of the importance of listening. So the story goes that Roosevelt was meeting people in a seemingly endless receiving line. Weary of smiling, shaking hands, and making inconsequential small talk, Roosevelt began to murmur under his voice. He said, I murdered my grandma this morning. Assuming that no one was listening, as people passed by, he repeated this confession while they were smiling, and they replied, wonderful, lovely, keep up the good work, Mr. President. This lasted until a diplomat came through the line, trained to listen and trained in being very attentive, and he replied uh, to President Roosevelt, and he said, Mr. President, I'm sure she had it coming. Now, just like listening is important, listening and being attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying is so important. You know, I would say today, for those of you who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Uh, There's a passage in Scripture that says, my sheep hear my voice. Not another one will they listen to. So we have to understand as sons and daughters of God, we have a, we we can tune in to the voice of the spirit and we can understand what the spirit is saying, not just hearing it, but being obedient to it. So what do you think would happen in life if we were driving down the road and we just refused to look at any of the traffic lights or, or traffic signs? What would happen? It's just a matter of time till something bad happens, till we wreck, till we have a collision. Uh, we would get into trouble rather quickly. So how does this relate really to following the Holy Spirit? When this Holy Spirit gives you a red light, what should you do? When the Holy Spirit gives you a green light, what should you do? 
Now, in the Christian walk, we know we should know this, right? But oftentimes, when the the, the Spirit of God gives us a red light, sometimes we go, and sometimes He gives us a, a green light, and we stop. How do I know this to be true? Uh, a lot of times, we get anybody ever gotten a bind by not listening to the Holy Spirit? You did what you want to do. He said, "Stop," and you kept going. So we know that to be true, but there's some of us that when the spirit of God speaks to us and we've been praying, maybe we've been fasting, we've been asking the spirit of God for guidance about something and he gives us guidance. And then we say, well, Lord, is that really you? We pray again. And like, we're like waiting for a secondary green light, you know, and you know how most of the times there's two red lights or two green lights. You see them left and right. Both these lights are green. But sometimes spiritually, we are not convinced that we have received the guidance and uh, we ask the spirit of God again. So what we're doing on a green light, we hit the brakes. And then when we have a red light, we're hitting the gas. And, and all of these things can cause, you know, our, our spiritual navigating to have problems, right? Or we can be very successful. You know, how many of you played red light and green light growing up? Red light, we stop. Green light means go. If I say red light and you run, what happens? Start over, go back to the beginning, right? So we see this, you know, that the Spirit of God is navigating, he's teaching us. So this morning, we want to look at a passage from the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Bible in the Old Testament, if you go all the way to the front. Um, how many of you have read some in the book of Exodus? How many of you have never really read a whole lot in Exodus? It is an awesome story about the provision, the plan, God rescuing the people of God. This is where Moses experienced the burning bush, the Ten Commandments. The people of Israel get get, get, get taken out of captivity. All of these things happen in the book of Exodus. So um, if you've never read it, uh, man, I'd encourage you to read it. If you're having a hard time going to sleep at night, just let your phone play the book of Exodus for you. By chapter 2, you'll be completely out because the devil doesn't want you hearing Scripture. All right. So the book of Exodus, it shows how God has rescued the people of Israel uh, and, and leading them out of captivity, leading them into the wilderness. So as they were being led out, God began the process of developing them into the nation that he called them to be. How many of you know sometimes when God calls you and you come into a relationship to him, uh, initially we are not the people that he actually calls us to be, but there is a change of location. There hopefully is a change of heart and we are in the process of becoming more and more like him, right? That's where we're at. Like, you know, somewhere we're be be uh, between the beginning and the end, but I hope we're still not at the beginning. If we're at the same spot we started, then we might not be listening. We might not let uh, be allowing the spirit of God to do the work in our life that he wants to do. Okay. Um, so understand this as the, as the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt, um, the Israelites still had a lot of Egypt inside of them. You know, there was foreign gods, there was sin, there was wickedness, there was all of these things. So they came out of this culture that, that was really not a God-centered culture, and they, God really wanted to work in and through them to get Egypt out of them, to lead them into the promised land, but to become the people that God wanted them to be. Now, according to scholars, this trip from Egypt to the promised land should have taken 11 days at most. Now, understand this. It, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. When I hear that, I'm kind of like, ouch. They did not get what the Lord was wanting to show them. They were there for like ever, right? You know, the ones that actually um, got rescued out of Egypt, they actually died in the wilderness. And it wasn't even until the children grew up that they made it to the promised land. 
So when we look at this passage, uh, I, I want us to know that, you know, God has a, an exodus for our lives. He's leading us out of something into something new. And if God has promised, promised us a promised land, it's going to happen. But the time it takes us to get there is often based on our response, our obedience. Will we follow? Will we allow him to lead? Because if we don't, I believe that we can be just like the Israelites and we can wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. But if we are obedient, perhaps I can see the promised land and my children get to see the promised land also. You know, because I would be totally bummed out if I knew that there was a promised land of promise and I never got to see it and my kids get to see it. I'd rather say, hey, you know what? As a family, let's all get there, right? All right, so let's look at this passage of Scripture, Exodus 13, 17 through 18, and then we're going to skip down to verses 20 through 22 just to kind of help you understand the, the, the story a little bit more. Verse 17, chapter 13 of Exodus, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said the people will change their mind and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around towards the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. And then verse 20, it says, They set out from Sukkoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way, way during the day, and in a pillar of fire, giving them light at night so that they could travel day or night. Verse 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. So understand, as we look at this passage, the Lord was not the pillar of cloud and he wasn't the pillar of fire, but he was in it and he used this to lead the people uh, into the wilderness. So just like in Exodus 3, because remember I said in Exodus, there's a lot of stories. In Exodus 3, when Moses experienced the burning bush, understand that God spoke from the burning bush, but he wasn't the burning bush. So what am I saying? We don't need to run around saying, let me go find my burning bush. Like we're not looking for burning bushes and we're not looking for a pillar of cloud and we're not looking for a pillar of fire. God was in those things. He used those things to speak. All right. So he was in those things. All right. So then we move down just a little bit further. Exodus 33, 12 through 17. And this is a story of Moses and the glory of the Lord. In verse 12 of Exodus 33, it says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you would send with me. You, uh, you have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it, is, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways that I may know you um, and more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. So all throughout Moses's life, you know, he really was always looking for companionship, had a lot of insecurities. You know, he, he wasn't a very good communicator, um, you know, which God sent him Joshua. You know, if you keep looking, you know, in the books of the Bible, you know, Joshua came and he helped him and um, actually kind of took over when Moses died and all of these things. But he was always questioning, who's going to go with me? Who's going to lead me? Who's going to guide me? Well, God's plan all along was that God would be the leader, that his spirit would lead the people. And so then we look on this passage, verse 14. The Lord replies, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Now, how many of you know if you receive that promise, it's going to be all right? If the Lord has spoken, if the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, I will personally go with you, that is a good thing, 
right? I will go with you. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Now, I think a lot of times, you know, we might say, well, are we sure that everything's going to be okay? I don't know. But let me tell you what, when God makes a promise, he fulfills that promise. He comes through, you know, he comes up to bat and he's going to hit a home run. You know, whenever he says something, it's going to come to pass. And then verse 15, Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, do not make us leave this place. How will everyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and, our, and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets, a, uh, sorry, sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I have looked favorably on you, and I know you by name. So here, Moses' heart, he says, hey, God, if you're right here, if you're doing something in this moment, if the Spirit of God is doing something right here, do not move us unless your Spirit goes with us. But the promise also, he said, I will go with you. What is going to distinguish you from all other people on the face of the earth is that my presence will follow you. That is a powerful thing where you will know that you are the sons and daughters of God by the presence of God in your life. You know, I had a young girl share last week kind of a vision that she had. I didn't get permission to share, so I hope she's okay with me sharing it because I'm going to do it anyway, and I already did it first service, and I didn't ask. Okay, so, um, but she said, I just had a vision uh, last, last week of when everybody was up here getting prayer for ministry that kind of gold flakes were just resting on the people. And then as they went into the community and they went into the restaurants and all of those things, those gold flakes followed them. And, they, and, the, and, the, and really, and I said, man, that's the presence of God because we experience the presence of God and the presence of God is in us and with us and through us. And then when we go into the communities, guess what? His presence goes with us. But can you imagine what happens when the presence of God that is with us, that promises to follow us all the days of our life goes everywhere we go? So let's say you get, man, you get home from work, but the presence of God follows you. And guess what? When you weren't there, there was no presence happening. Mom was mad. Kids are mad. Everybody's fighting. Dinner ain't ready. Clothes ain't washed. You walk into a whole bunch of problems. But as a man of God with the presence of God, do you understand you can walk into that situation and the peace of God's presence can just radiate in that room? Now you might have to calm mama down. Mama wasn't walking in the presence, but you carried that presence and you changed that environment. Think about this. As the people of God, as we leave this place and we go to the restaurants or we go to families' homes or wherever we go, if we understand we will be distinguished by the presence of God in our lives, that it changes the atmosphere around us. Where the waitress says, man, there's something different about you guys. Or all of a sudden there's a still and peace presence of God in the restaurant. It wasn't because the restaurant was doing it Right? but it's because the people of God showed up that are distinguished by the presence of God in and through their lives and the power of the Holy Spirit being released out of you to impact the lives of others. This is what we're talking about, the promise of his presence going with us. But everywhere we go, I believe that the presence of God will follow us everywhere as long as we kind of like invite him to be a part of it. I think the moments that we don't experience the presence of God in every single way is because we're kind of like, we take the presence of God and it's like we put it on a shelf and we're like, hey, all right, presence of God, let's go to church. And you bring the presence of God with you to church. And then you go home and you forget to take the presence of God with you to work. It's like putting it on the shelf, say, well, I'll be back. I'll see you on Sunday, Holy Spirit. Presence of God. And, and we leave that. But the whole point is that the presence of God would always go with us. Now we know that's not true because where does the Holy Spirit live? side of each of us. But how we respond or what we do 
kind of either puts a cap on his presence or I believe that it, it releases his presence in and through our lives. Man, I want when I walk in the room for things to change, for situations to calm, for hope to be released. I hope people ask me, man, what's different about you? So, well, I'm a son of God and his presence follows me. And the cool thing is that, that what I have received and what God has given me, we can also give away. All right. So this was a big deal. He said, I will go with you personally. Um, you, you know, he, and really what he was saying, you don't have to worry about leaving this place, but I'm going to lead you. I'm going to follow you. Pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. As I go, you go. When I stop, you stop. But he says, I will do indeed what you've asked for. Look, and I will look favorably on you. And, and I know you by name. So we see this intimacy. We see this relationship. But understand from this passage, we get two, two really takeaways that God has always been interested in leading his people and allowing his presence to follow them and distinguish them among all the other people of the earth. And we see all through the Old Testament, it was really fun. It's always, I always think it's funny because uh, when you have other people that were fighting against the godly people, there was a holy fear of the, for, against those that God was on their side. You know, it's like, man, you don't want to mess with them because God is fighting for them. God is with them. God's presence goes with them. All of those things, right? So you just see that favor and that goodness resting on those people. They were distinguished. So we see through the life of the Israelites that after their deliverance often comes development. And that's where we kind of mess up, right? God delivers us. He changes us. He rescues us. He saves us. And then sometimes we're like, okay, God, I'm good. He delivers us, but then he automatically wants to, to begin to develop other things in our life, right? If my life looks just like it is when I started following Jesus and I haven't begun to mature and I haven't begun to grow, what I'm doing, there is a lack of development. Now, a lack of developing, a lack of guiding, a lack of obedience, a lack of all of these things, you know what it does? It keeps you in the wilderness for 40 years rather than 11 days. So we have to say, okay, God, hey, I'm going to do whatever you say. Red light, er, I'm going to stop. Green light, room, room, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, don't get it mixed up. Don't get backwards. Make sure we're following the spirit of God and we're paying attention to what he's doing or what he's not doing, what he's involved with and what he's not involved with. But God is always preparing us for our, pro our coming promised land. So how do we develop into the kind of people that can get to the promised land as quick as possible? Be quick to be obedient and follow the Spirit of God, okay? So the Israelites were led by the cloud. They were led by uh, the, the, the fire uh, during their exile. But today, we are led by the Spirit of God. Like I said, don't be running around saying, I'm going to go find this pillar. Pastor telling me about her. Looking for a burning bush. Like, I mean, that's not what we're looking for. We already have everything we need inside of us. The Spirit of God that is navigating and leading and helping us in every single way. All right, so we don't need those things to guide us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide us and lead us in the way of the Lord. So this morning, we're gonna look at three R's to being spirit-led, three R's, okay? So number one, trust the route, okay? When we look at that, that picture, it says that he led them, not the easy way, not through the, the area of war, but he led them around through the Red Sea. Now, a lot of times we get real frustrated at the route that God has for us. We look over here, Robert's riding the freeway, and I'm over here in the gutter ditch road, it feels like. You know, I'm getting frustrated. I'm saying, why is this road leading me this way? Or, you know, I think we do that. How many of you ever done that? You kind of look at somebody else's life, and you get frustrated because you feel like you're in the rocks and the muck, and you're all stuck up, right? But somebody over here is free, free selling. But let me tell you what, in the Christian walk, I believe that there are freeway moments. 
I believe there's mud moments where you're getting stuck and you're just four wheel drive and you're moving. But I, I mean, I think sometimes there's even times where you're stuck. You got to phone a friend. You got to get out. But, you know, trust the route that the Spirit has you on. It, the Spirit led them. What did it lead them to? It led them the long way because it said if they experience war, you know what it said? They're going to go back to where they came from. Think about what that meant. You just get busted out of jail. Get all the ch- chains and shackles released. The prison door is open. You get a little frustrated. You go back and put the shackles on. And you pull the door shut and you sit back down on the bench. You think that's what God wants for his people? No, he wants them to walk away from that, to go and no longer be in the prison, but go to the place of promise. So for that to happen, sometimes God navigates you. How many of you have come too far following God to turn back now? Like that's kind of where I'm at. I said, I've invested my whole life. I remember when I was looking for a job. Man, I was so frustrated because nobody cares about ministry expertise. I'm built for ministry. I've invested my whole life being involved in church, worship teams, youth pastors, missionary. We've done, I had a whole skill set. I went into the business world and gave them my resume and said, what does all this mean? I said, if they knew what all this meant, I would have a resume. But they don't always see what it is that God is doing and what you're built for. But we have to understand that the road that God takes us down, he's teaching us, he's molding us. You know, he delivers us, but then he's developing us for something. Do you understand when I was a young man, I never knew God was going to call me for such a time as this. I just kept trucking down the road. Said, All right, I guess I'll learn that. I don't know why I'm doing that. Got on the mission field full time. Man, I don't want to do this mission work full time. You know, I kept going through all of these things, but everything in life taught me something. Because he was preparing and he was developing me for this place right now. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Maybe you've arrived. Maybe you're like, man, I don't even know if I've even started moving yet. But nonetheless, trust the route that God has you on. Right? You could take 40 years or you can take 11 days. It's up to you. But you can sit there and complain about it or you can put the car in gear and start moving forward down that road. And ask for the grace and the strength of God to help you through that. So he doesn't always lead you the easy way. The path that they went through was difficult. How many of you have been on a road that's been difficult? Full of challenges. You're like, man, I've been through hell and back. This is hard. Like, Lord, where are you? And he says, son and daughter, I'm right here with you. I'm walking with it, walking with you through it. I'm right here. Just keep going. Trust the work I'm doing. Do you understand that all of the hard things that we go through that we survive, and I'm going to use that word survive, they become places of testimony? There's some hard things, like even if we look around this room, hard things that each of you have went through, but those things are testimonies to the goodness of God. We wouldn't have known about the grace. We wouldn't have known about the favor. We wouldn't have known all these good things about God if we wouldn't have survived these hard things. Like if you, you, don't, you don't know the grace and the, and the strength of God till you go through something hard. I think a lot of times before we go through something hard, we take the grace of God for granted. It's like, oh, God's good. No problem. Ain't nothing but a thing, Right? <laughs> you hit a thing and it about knocks you off the car and you're like, dear Lord Jesus, save me, right? You hit this hard place. But we have to trust God's grace in the moment as, as he helps us. Trust the route. Trust where he's going. Proverbs 16, 9, it says, in the hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we have to trust the course that the Lord is leading us in and choose to, to surrender our own plans. I pray this all the time. Lord, I make my plans, but God, you guide and direct my steps. Because if you don't bless it, if you don't lead it, if you don't guide it, I'm going to end up right here spinning my wheels, looking around saying, 
woe is me, this is not the promised land. I'm somewhere in between Egypt and the promised land, just wandering around in the wilderness. So we want God to help us. Um, how many of you have ever heard of the Waze app? W-A-Z-E. It is by far my favorite app ever. So what the Waze app does, it's, it's, a, it's a navigation tool. So Works, it works like Google Maps, different things like this. But what Waze does, it doesn't just get you from A to B. It navigates you in a way that it's, it's factoring in road closures. It's factoring in traffic. Man, it's even telling you where the popo be. Like everything, like it tells you where the cops are. Now, I'm not saying download it so you can speed, but every now and then I do a little brake check when, uh, when it tells me to slow down. But um, what I have done every time that I have decided to follow my plan versus where Waze is navigating me, I waste time. Every single time. Like we were coming back from New Orleans and, you know, the first, the first two roads, I followed Waze and we had the other car behind us. They didn't have Waze and they were Waze behind like I'm talking an hour behind us. And I was like, hey, where are y'all at? It's like, oh, we're stuck in dead traffic. Did I said, man, you don't have ways? Like, what are you talking about ways? You need to download ways, right? So we went around, we navigated, we were way down the road. And then the next time it told me this crazy navigation, I'm coming highway 10, coming in, and I'm like, man, highway 10, big freeway? Like, why would I get off? Ways wanted me to go and then come back. And I was like, man, there ain't no way that that's going to be shorter. I was like, I got three-lane highways. You're telling me go country road, go way off the course and come back? Guess what I decided to do? I know what's best. Man, five minutes later, tailgate to, to bumper traffic. I sat there for 45 minutes. When you don't listen to ways, when you don't listen to the Spirit, it is going to slow up <laughs> your progress to get to where you're going. And guess what? You're going to waste time. How many of you love sitting in traffic? Ain't nobody. If you do, you're crazy, right? I hate sitting in traffic. But that's what we do. If we don't listen to that navigating, if we don't pay attention to what he's doing, if we don't trust the route that he's leading us to, we're going to waste a lot of valuable time, and then we're going to be grumbling and complaining with why we got ourselves stuck in traffic. Well, Lord, why didn't you? They ain't no why, didn't I? You did not listen, and therefore, this is the route you set yourself on. So we have to pay attention to the route that he sets us on and unwaveringly say, you're right, you're right. I'll give you one more story about ways. Man, we were in, me and Morgan went to a conference in downtown Dallas. Hey, this thing took us through like, lock the doors, roll up the windows, like <laughs> rough. Like, and we're like, man, we're going under this thing. I was like, man, we don't know where we're going. That thing popped us out. Man, freeway, we look, bypassed all the traffic. So even when it looks questionable, even when you don't agree, even when you think better, stick to the route, trust the route that the Holy Spirit is leading you on, trust the process, and just keep going. If he says stop, stop. If he says go, go. What happens when God doesn't give you a red light or a green light? What do you do? What's, what's yellow mean? That's right. Proceed with caution. Don't be like, I'm going to take it as a green light, Lord. Don't hit the brakes either because you hit a brake really hard on a yellow light sometimes. You know what happens? You get rear-ended. So, so there, there, there is a delicate balance between when you don't have a red light and you don't have a green light. But when you don't, proceed with caution. But here's what I've learned. Do the last thing he told you to. If he didn't tell you to stop or he didn't tell you to hang a left or a right, keep navigating in the direction he's called you to. 
and see what happens. So number one, trust the route. Number two, trust that he remains. So trust that the Holy Spirit will always remain with you. The Holy Spirit will always stay in front of you. I know that first week we talked about how we are to, to follow the Holy Spirit. We aren't to lead the Holy Spirit. We can't run over here and say, okay, hey, Holy Spirit, come over here. Here's what I'm doing. Doesn't work real well like that. We need to figure out where is the Holy Spirit going and follow the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, he does not leave us. He doesn't bail out when things get tough. Um, but it brings me peace to know that the Spirit inside of us will never, ever, ever forsake us. Now, when we've been through hard things, we realize that. Sometimes I think in the moment, we feel like God has abandoned us, like he has separated his hand from us. It's like, where are you, Lord? And I think that's maybe just our psychological, mental way of working it out in the moment. But I tell you what, every hard season of my life, I have seen the faithful hand of God in it after the fact. I don't always see it in the moment. I'm like, Lord, I don't see it. Where are you at in this? Why would you cause this? And, you know, we start going through that downward spiral of agreeing with the devil and blaming God for all of the things that he never did. Right? Then we come to a level of reason where we realize, man, God was good. He was faithful. Or he has sent people around me to get me through hard things. But that's the grace and favor of God. It says, in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not. I have overcome the world. This is Jesus' promise for us. We're going to have hard things. Anybody went through hard things? Every single one of us. If not, give us some time, baby. You're going to have some hard times. But understand the Holy Spirit remains. John 14, 16, it says, I will ask my Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Can you say that again? Forever. He's always with us. Joshua 1, 9, it says, I have not commanded you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever. In your car, at your house, in the shower, wherever you go, he's with you. Right? He looks over the face of the earth. It says he's looking over the righteous and the wicked. I think sometimes some of us think we can get away with something. It's like, oh, God won't see that. Oh, no, God sees everything. Right? But in the same way, because he sees everything, he is trustworthy, and we can follow him and trust that he knows best. Okay? Um, you know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, there was a moment where he looked up to heaven, and he told the Father, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? And I thought about that. I said, man, you know, this was the first time in Jesus' life where he was forsaken by the Father. Now, you talk about this is an emotional breakdown moment where the father who, uh, who, who you've followed your whole life, who you commit to serve, he turns his face away from you. And I, I was praying about that. I said, Lord, why is that such a significant thing? Because we have to understand that God turned his face away from Jesus once so he would never have to turn away from us. Jesus had to go through all of the hard things so we could experience the goodness of God. But there was even a forsaking of his own son is turning his face away as he breathed his last breath. And Jesus in that agony said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But he did that so he never has to leave or forsake us. He's with us forever. He never forsakes us. He's with us the whole leg of the journey. But he remains. He stays steadfast. He is there with us. Understand that the pillar never left its place. It said it always stayed in place before them. So if you're having problems following, it's not because the Holy Spirit left his place, but because you have left your place. If you can't see where you're going, it's like, hey, you know, I just, you know, it's like, Holy Spirit, where are you? He's like, well, I stopped over here, but you kept on blowing through. You have to get back and follow the Holy Spirit. Get in your place quickly. What? Get back in line. Right? I'm not here to lead the rodeo, but I'm here to follow 
where the Holy Spirit's going, what he's doing. Um, one thing I can definitely admit, what I've realized, and you probably should come to the place of realizing it also, um, individuals don't get tickets for following the traffic rules. Every ticket I've got has been 100% justified, even if I didn't like it. Um, speeding tickets, yielding through a stop sign, running a red light. Um, if you don't do those things, guess what? You don't get tickets. You do those things or you say, well, it, was kinda, it wasn't red yet. You're done that. It's like, my kids are all the time like, dad, it's yellow. I was like, well, go or don't go. And I said, you'll understand when you're, you know, it's hard sometimes. But I think blatantly you, you bend the rules, you break the rules. Uh, you know, when you get a ticket, you know, uh, you're going to get those tickets for violating the law, the command, or the instruction. And it happens like that with following God. Like, you want a ticket or you want a setback? Hey, break the rules. Don't pay attention to the navigation signs. But if you want to be careful, conservative, and safe, follow the rules. Right? Slow down. I always used to tell my mom, hey, I ain't going to drive no faster than my angels can fly. But my angels fly fast. Right? It's like, yeah, I better slow down. Right? You know, we want to be safe. We want to follow that. Um, but I, I will say, you know, all the tickets I got, you know, they were justified. It wasn't just the law picking on me. Um, but he remains faithful. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, one of the biggest things that will sometimes get you out of what you deserve is being brutally honest. Uh, I remember one time, give you, I ain't going to tell you about all my tickets, but I'll tell you about this ticket. Uh, slowed me down when I had to start paying those fines. Didn't like it. But uh, I was coming from the movie theater back into town. My kids were little. One was trying to buckle up. The other one had to pee. Now, I don't know if you know what that looks like. She's screaming, I got to go to the rest. I'm like, get in your seat. Da -da -da -da. Man, I come out of there. I'm going 70. Huh, I didn't know it was 55. Like, but my fault. I'm supposed to know how fast. He pulls me over. Sir, you are. I said, I said, man, yes. I said, just to be honest, my kids screaming, trying to get them buckled up. One has to pee. I'm so sorry. I have no clue how fast I was going. That's when I learned 55 miles an hour, but I was brutally honest with what I had done. You know what he said? Hey, I'm sure you care about those kids in the back. You need to slow down, but have a good day, sir. That's what God's like a lot of times. He doesn't give us what we deserve when we're brutally honest. Like if I would have looked at that dude and said, man, why are you pulling me over? I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Good luck, Chuck. <laughs> Here's your citation, sir. Have a good day. Now, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I think that when we are honest and we open up and we, and we really are vulnerable and we admit what we've done wrong. Now, I'm not saying you won't get a ticket because I've had cops that were real nice. I still got that ticket. And I was like, buddy, buddy, huh? Yeah, get out of my face. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever have one of those? You think you're going to get out of it, you're all happy, then he gives you the citation. Oh, right. So you know you've gotten more than one ticket when you've got stories like that. Slow down, it will cost you, literally. All right, number three. Uh, well, let's, look, let's recap real quick. Number one, trust the route. Number two, trust that he always remains with you. Number three, trust in his revelation. Revelation is the revealing of things not necessarily known to you, but they are known by the Spirit and they are revealed to you. The definition of revelation is a surprising, previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known to you in a dramatic way. So it was like when Waze showed up and said, hey, take this route. You're going to hit a lot of traffic. You're going to have a traffic jam. It's not, you're going to waste time. What I, my initial was like, phooey ah, on that. No, I, it cost me, right? Revelation that God shows us. He doesn't give us relation, revelation without reason. Right? I shared the story about the young girl that got the vision. God does not give vision to people without a significant purpose. 
They want them to see something. They want them to say something. They want them to understand something because he uses that revelation to navigate us in the right way. So trust the guidance you're receiving and keep moving forward. Understand the cloud, of, uh, the cloud and the fire provided movement during the day and the night. So understand this, the spirit-led life allows us to be led in every moment at any time. It doesn't matter if it's two in the morning, five in the morning, middle of the day, it doesn't matter. God allows us to be led by his spirit at all times and will give us the revelation we need to navigate well. But it's up to us paying attention, following it. When the Holy Spirit gives us a red light, what do we do? When he gives us a green light? Y'all aren't convinced. When he gives us a red light, when he gives us a green light, we go. You don't go on a green light, you get rear-ended. Because the guy behind you got a green light too. He's like, come on, Linda, let's move. Right? Come on. I mean, come on. Let's get moving. When God says move, let's stop. If he gives us revelation, pay attention to what he's saying. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what is that saying? The, the Holy Spirit always has the mind of God. He is always right. He is way smarter than you. He always knows better. So you get an inkling, you get a feeling, you get a check, how, what, what, whatever word you want to do. How many of you have ever known you shouldn't have done something and you did it anyway? And it cost you dearly. Now, the other side, we learn from that, but sometimes we're obedient. We don't see any like huge recourse for our action. And then we feel like we missed God, but we have no clue what we've navigated around. You know, that's the thing. Like, when I would have followed ways and I would have avoided the traffic, I'd have been mad because I would have been like, man, this is so long. I didn't know I avoided all the traffic. I didn't know I avoided the wreck. Who knows? I might have been in that wreck. But because I'm navigating and God's giving me wisdom and revelation to navigate all things in life, it can allow me to avoid all kinds of things in this life. But I would, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be obedient and avoid it than be arrogant and be like, ah, I got this and run into all kinds of problems that God never intended for me. So trust in his revelation. He's always right. Number four, trust in his results. So trust that when the Holy Spirit is with you, you will have success. The longer I serve the Lord, the more I learn that obedience is up to me, but the results are up to him. So what I mean by that, um, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have hard, difficult things that we go through in this life, but how I respond or what I do often has a direct result on what God does. For whatever reason, he needs our cooperation. So what do I mean by that? You know, if we have a good work ethic and we work hard and we're disciplined and we keep working at it, what do you think is going to happen? The potential for success is highly likely. Let's flip the coin. What if I want to be lazy and I don't want to get up and I'm not going to go to work and I'm not going to clean my room and I'm not going to throw the trash? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You're just completely lazy. Then you could potentially live in lack. But you're all kinds of mad at God because you're like, Lord, why are you not providing for me? All I wanted to do was be lazy. But we have to understand what we do, God partners with. When we're lazy, we're going we're gonna to receive lack. But when we, are work, when we work hard and we're diligent, you know, we're going to have this success. So understand when you work hard and you do the things that God says, you're going you're gonna to re be rewarded and you're going to see the results of what God has commanded as a blessing. But when you're disobedient or you're lazy or you do all these things you're not supposed to do, you're going to see a life full of lack. It's not that God doesn't want to do it, but what we put in comes out. Input equals output. 
You got that? Whatever you're putting in, it's going to directly affect the output. Okay? So God just, he wants us to trust in him. So the grace and the favor of the Lord follows us when we follow through with obedience. When God points something out, he's pointing it out for a reason. Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So understand this, goodness and love is who God is. And when we live our life for him, we will experience his goodness and love in our life in many different ways. Because that's the kind of God that he is. Following God, sometimes it is a challenge because of the world we live in, but it is never because of God not being good and God not being loving. Sometimes it's just a lack of follow-through, a lack of doing what God has called us to do. Anybody ever been guilty of not doing what God told you to do? Welcome to the 40 years in the wilderness, (laughs) right? But if we are obedient, you know, I always tell God, Lord, I do not want to go around this mountain again. I do not want to do this. I don't want to go again and again and again. Let us be people that learn quickly. He's redeeming us and he's rescuing us, but he's also wanting to work in our life something out. You know, he wants to, he wants to change us from the inside out. This passage says that we looked at just a little while ago, I will look favorably upon you. I will look favorably upon you. But understand that following deliverance comes development. God is wanting to work in and through our lives. Can you stand up with me? We're wrapping up. So what is the response, pastor? What do I do with this message? If God has already given you direction, you need to follow through with whatever that direction is. Now, we've been working through this spirit-led series, and what I want to do, I do not want you to miss a moment um, we talk, I know we talked about the baptism last week, which maybe you were here with us and you were kind of like right there on the edge of the waterfall and you really were like, I don't know, man. Then you left and you said, man, I should have responded. I should have came forward. There was something inside of me, burning passion inside. I should have responded and I missed it. Well, you might've missed it last week, but guess what? Today we're going to give you another chance. Can I get our prayer teams to come up? So if you, if you missed out on the baptism, you're like, man, like guilty. You know, he gave me a green light and I said, no, Lord, red light. I didn't respond to what he was leading me to and I missed it. Guess what? He's going to meet back up with you today and you're going to receive what you desire to receive. Um, But maybe for some of us in the room, we're at a place of disobedience. We're at a place of living in sin. Maybe it's willful. Maybe it's not willful. But I'm going to give you three things that you can do right now that will get you back in the right place with God. Number one is repent. Tell you what, I get pulled over or I, I, I don't please God. You know, my response is, hey, I'm sorry. Because I was wrong. I violated a command. I did something wrong. Like, we just repent. We say, I'm sorry. And then God quickly, man, forgives those things. And then there needs to be a returning, right? Getting back on the road, getting back, following the Holy Spirit. Get right back with God. Because until you're right with God, you're going to feel a little like, oh, man, just some things aren't right. So then we get back and we return But then what do we do? We keep following the Holy Spirit. We heed his warding. We allow him to give us guidance in our life. So I don't know where you're at today in your relationship with the Lord. If you got sin or you got something in between you and God, get it right today. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and the teams can help you do that today because having uh, the Lord in your heart is a prerequisite for receiving the baptism. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a son and daughter of God. It says a son and daughter of God are led by the Spirit of God. 
so we can be led and we can release the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. But God wants you to have all of these things today. It's a free gift of salvation, and it's a free gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, please do not leave the gift here, but take the gift with you, because that's when we really, really see it multiplied and work in our lives. So uh, I'm going to pray for you. If either of those two criteria meet you, you need to get right with the Lord. You need to deal with something. Come up and just, I believe in the power of agreement. And then just the, the, the baptism. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't have time to recap that one. Listen to that message. But if it's something you want today, same thing. The team can lead it, lead you in that. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for you. Go ahead and make a move and come forward. If you want to respond to that, I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll be dismissed. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for each person that's here. Father, that you've led them to this place for this moment on this day. And Father, your plans and your purpose for them is great. Father, I pray that if there's an area of needing to repent, that today that your people would repent, that Lord, if there's something in my heart that I need to repent of, that you would reveal those things to me, that we might be righteous before you. Father, then there'd be a returning, coming back, aligning, following the Holy Spirit, not leading the Holy Spirit. And, Father, then there'd be a continual just moving forward in the things that you have for our lives. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on us. You keep wooing us back to your presence, wooing us back to a relationship with you. And, Father, the sins that we commit against you, Father, you actually choose to remember those sins no more. And, Father, for that, that's something I will always be grateful for. Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit would just go with us from this place. Father, that we would be a people that are distinguished by your presence in our lives. And Father, if you give us a red light, we stop. And if you give us a green light, we'll go. That all the days of our life will be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.